I'm just going to plug in my laptop charger. Cool, because we've talked for half an hour and not actually started recording. <laughs> You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to I Might Be Wrong. Unfortunately, it's just myself again. Henry is technically unable to get on the podcast because his countryside Wi-Fi connection has broken. Fortunately, I've got another guest with me. And it's the same person who very fortunately stepped in last time. So thank you, Tempest, for coming back. It's great to have you back with us. How are you doing? Henry doesn't like me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Um, It's great to be back. Thank you very much for having me again. We will definitely have to have you both on at some point because I'm certain that those will be some very interesting discussions. (laughs) Indeed. I look forward to it. So last time you came on and spoke about whole and an album that influenced you in your early teens you've got a slightly different one for us today i have indeed i've got an album that influenced me in my later teens from another epic female artist who i actually spent my whole life listening to she was a bit of a family obsession i've chosen madonna and the album i've picked is ray of light very cool i have to be honest you mentioned this just a couple of days before we were recording and I hadn't listened to this album since it came out. And having listened to it, I don't know that I'd listened to much beyond the singles that were around at the time that were obviously huge, given the global acclaim that this album got. Well, interesting. I mean, it's certainly, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. It's very much an album of a particular time. Uh, I'm sure it's occurred to you that where to madonna or somebody like madonna to bring out an album like ray of light now it would probably quite rightfully be ripped to shreds for some epic cultural appropriation misuses (laughs) inside it it came out in 1998 which is a period of time before sadly we really considered these things and the fashion at the time was very much taken from parts of india asian subcontinent anything going on on the catwalk was all to do with Indian fabric, bindis, henna. We kind of had a bit of a European obsession with fusing East and West in this way. And Ray of Light probably subconsciously is very much part of this. And that to me is an interesting part of listening back to it was that the singles don't really have nearly as much of that Indian musical culture woven into it. So Ray of Light itself, Frozen those tracks tended to be much more almost the kind of classic late 90s club culture sounds to them but then listening to the middle of the album I was surprised at how much eastern Indian music there is coming in there and I I don't know really much about the the artists that she worked with on this so I don't know whether there are quietly people in the background that were from those cultures and working with her and we talked about this with Paul Simon where he was actually working with artists from South Africa I don't know that there was much noise made about this in the media at the time I guess from what you're saying that probably wasn't the case no it doesn't seem to be the case in my research for this podcast nor in my memory of the time and nor in fact in much of the discussions of this album over the a 20-year retrospective that was done on it 
which is a shame because I think it's an important question to go into. I think the overriding feeling at the time was this idea of rejection of Western philosophy on life as generally being unhelpful and a ton of celebrities deciding that things like Kabbalah and Indian mysticism really held the key to kind of the spiritual breakthrough, which in itself is, of course, problematic. And it coincides with this period of Madonna's life where she's had her first child and she's assessing everything that has gone before. And I think the candor in which she does this is so breathtakingly honest from an artist like Madonna, who is, you know, just the queen of provocation and pop and putting on many guises and being an absolute showwoman. I think people were so blown away by that part of it. They almost forgot to really analyse maybe some other elements that they should have looked at on this album. <laughs> and there's definitely an element of this is another big change in her sound you know madonna has evolved many many times over the years we we talk about artists like herself like kylie who have managed to have those really pop music careers but they've continued to move with the times and not be left behind and she's Mm. been someone that has managed to do that in a lot of ways and i mean you talk about her moving into this more kind of spiritual guise or whatever we want to call it But immediately what comes to my mind is her singing I'm a material girl in a material world and reveling in that stuff only 10 years before. Mm. Well, that's Madonna's genius. She definitely is not even a barometer of the times. I think what has made Madonna into such a star is that she's managed to to kind of future cast what's going to be next um she is definitely very good at keeping an eye on pop subculture and music subculture and dance subculture and work out what's about to be the trend and then she gets on that before other people do and that's what's kept madonna at the top for so long she's a genius at it she reads she reads pop culture tea leaves maybe that's the best way of putting it (laughs) and you know she's done it over and over and over again and she almost kind of helps define the spirit of the times and this album was certainly another moment where she managed to do that and I mean I obviously love this album despite its problems which is one of the reasons that I chose it because to hear somebody so famous talk about fame I find quite fascinating. The fact that she does it in such a catchy way is great. The <laughs> pop videos from it are incredibly iconic. Frozen, I mean, yeah. absolutely spellbinding piece of pop video art. I think it's probably difficult for people who are younger to understand how important Madonna was, given maybe the way that she's viewed now, which is perhaps in a harsher light. We kind of have this joke of like Madonna eternally trying to be young, eternally trying to catch up with what's happening. Whereas, you know, take Beyonce and fuse her with Lizzo and Lady Gaga and a a billion other female pop icons. Um, I'm too old now to know. And she was bigger than all of them put together. Like Madonna was massive for sure. And this was a real change in style when she brought this album out. And I think, you know, a lot of that is her ability to assess her career to date. And that's one of the things that's fascinating with this album is that there's not necessarily one specific theme or sound. It it, it all has a feel to it as an album. There's there's a lot of club culture in there because she she got really big in those kind of late 90s. You've got things that she did with William Orbit that just became massive club hits that were played for forever afterwards 
but there's echoes of this work in other places as well so listening to frozen the first thing i went was hang on a sec i don't remember this being on the beach soundtrack i didn't think madonna was on the beach soundtrack and it's not it's that all saints used the synth bassline from frozen as their main part of oh what's the track um oh pure shores yes i love that track yeah so pure shores is i mean i love that track as well and it's one of my favorite i i don't know how much you've listened to the beach soundtrack itself a lot the beach that song this album the fashion at the time the the book the beach they're all like a package i think (laughs) (laughs) that kind of tied into me 18 going i'm gonna go to india on my (laughs) own and did in the end i didn't have to go on my own yeah they're all they're all part of the same experience we were all having i think in pop culture i don't know whether it's just that it fits in a time of your life where you're coming to the end of your teens and you suddenly have the ability to be more independent and global and go traveling if you want to and you have the money to and all that kind of stuff but there's certainly an element of like you said a lot of those things feeding in together and I didn't listen to this album much but there were certainly elements of this that echoed throughout club culture that I was doing a lot of mostly crap clubs but going to a lot of clubs and enjoying all of that late 90s early thousands things so like zombie nation and stuff like that and she her work you could hear it in not just her own music being played but also in other people pulling in ideas William Orbit obviously became much more of a a big name and I think that I don't know how much you'd want to tie that to Madonna but she certainly can't be dismissed as someone who was very influential in bringing his work to the forefront yeah for sure i mean one of the reasons that this album does appear on a lot of people's you know top 100 or top 500 is because they credit this album as being one of the major factors that brought club culture music electronica into mainstream pop and made it for a broader audience yeah certainly the kind of people that you would never think would listen to electronica now i i was into electronica from my mid-teens onwards really but more of the subculture and so I guess it's one of those things where you feel ownership over a style and you sort of get a bit annoyed about a big star coming in and suddenly doing it and like all of a sudden everyone's into it because it's a Madonna thing but actually (laughs) it did bring accessibility to a lot of that stuff in ways that you wouldn't necessarily have had it otherwise and with that more commercial pop sensibility that that comes with a lot of her work. Yeah, I can imagine that would be annoying at the experience end of you loving that type of music in its kind of actual place with an artist like Madonna sitting on the other side of it. But yeah, you know, she caused a lot of that shift in what was in the charts. And again, going back to what we were discussing before, that's kind of Madonna's absolute true skill is seeing this thing that subculture going on, you know, in the underground or not in the mainstream, then is a better way of saying that and being like, this will be big and I'm going to be the person that's going to do it. And she's just very clever at that. You think about the timing as well, because this is literally the crossover point between the Britpop era that was from about 93, 94 through to about 96, 97, 98 was really the end of that being the mainstream. And all of a sudden you've got this club music, dance music, EDM thing that swings in and she's riding that wave. Mm. And also don't forget, you know, 1998, we're all coming up to 2000 and 
I think sometimes it's easy to forget the panic around that. And certainly this idea of like, you know, it's a new millennium, things have to be different, we should be more spiritual, we should we should think more about how we interact as human beings. And, you know, pop music isn't necessarily the thing that's going to solve all of our society's issues. But I think the other thing this album does very well is tap into this feeling of should there be a better way of running our lives let's all embrace love it's all about love fame doesn't matter fortune doesn't matter I mean it's easy to say that when you have both Um, (laughs) again it's a perfectly timed album in that way right is this an album you picked up right when it came out or was this something that you kind of came onto later on no I think I picked up on this when it first came out. As I say, Madonna was like the sixth person in our household. I've been dancing to Madonna's songs from about the age of, well, since I could stand. <laughs> so, uh, we didn't, we went a particularly musical household, like I mentioned when we were talking about Hole. Everything was particularly mainstream, but everybody in the house, M- Madonna was queen. We dressed like Madonna, obviously not my dad. And we listened to Madonna songs and Madonna was the pop star of the household. So very much when this album first came out it's an album that has a real happy vibe to it I still listen to it now unlike when we did live through this so it was lovely to listen to that again it's an album I'll put on for nostalgia factor they say you know just getting ready to leave school it's that period in your life where suddenly the whole world opens up to you and you working out what it is that you want to do I think it's got that lovely holiday sitting on the beach wouldn't it be great if we could all just love each other vibe but I think that underplays some of the deeper parts of this like I say it's fascinating hearing her talk about you know substitute for love like these fascinating insights into what it must be like to be somebody with so much fame but to feel incomplete to be unhappy still and I think again our notions of fame maybe were slightly different in the 90s as well now very much more aware of the toxic side of fame I'm not sure that was the case to the same extent in the 90s I mean I think in the 90s pop stars were objects to be admired and listened to and no one really necessarily considered them as human beings in the same way and yeah I think you're absolutely right there but there are there are some interesting themes in here because you've already mentioned Frozen but that's again talking about the end of a relationship that as a theme seems to weave through but then there's all this more spiritual stuff that again I didn't really listen to this stuff much at the time it was I was much more guitar bandsy alternative culture type stuff that I was listening to so while I was really impressed with the singles that came out it wasn't an album that I was going to go and buy myself Mm -hmm. but it's a great album musically it's fantastic there's a lot going on in there that you don't necessarily unless you're going in to listen to it with a mindset of what are they doing you don't necessarily pick those things out but the layering of everything is fantastic yeah, it's gorgeous. I agree with you in that you've got the big hitters when it comes to the songs on the album, and then you've got some ones that are a little bit more, shall we use the term, awkward, and are also not particularly great tracks. <laughs> They've kind of become a little bit more backgroundy. So for me, my favourite tracks are, you know, Drowned World, Substitute for Love. I find lyrically that's fascinating. I find the sound on it is really impactful. Ray of Light 
the title album like the energy in that music for me is just it's like a jolt of adrenaline it's beautifully put together and then on a lighter side actually quite like little star and thinking back to our discussion on holes live through this again you've got two completely different ideas of motherhood whereby I think Madonna is very much taking that my life has changed. Now I've had a baby. <laughs> and Courtney Love kind of throws that mother, perfect motherhood trope out the window. And I like both of them. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Because obviously, with Madonna being who she is as an icon, do you think she's playing into that perfect motherhood trope? I always got the impression she genuinely loves her children and has never had issues like Courtney had had with, with motherhood. And, and that feels like it's a it's a genuine comment on how she feels rather than necessarily being a cynical commercial ploy. Um, oh, I agree with you. I don't think it's a cynical commercial ploy. I think Madonna is self-aware enough to realise that she is kind of leaning into that. I don't mean, though, then it's not truthful. I think maybe she might find it quite fascinating. And I'm taking a huge leap into reaching into Madonna's brain here. Madonna's mother died when she was very young, if I remember correctly. So she actually didn't have a mother figure really growing up. So I can understand that fascination with motherhood. So there's a track on the album called Mer Girl. And there are some really interesting lyrics in it. Oh, she's running away from the house, from the man I cannot keep, from the mother who haunts me, even though she's gone, from a daughter that never sleeps. It's like this kind of balance from having an absent mother to now having a daughter who kind of has an absent father. Luadez's father isn't deceased, but they weren't together, if I remember correctly. I ran to the forest, I ran to the trees, I ran and I ran. I was looking for me. Skipping forward a little bit and I smelt her burning flesh, her rotting bones, her decay. I ran, I ran, I'm still running away. So it's really interesting if you link those strands together, there is this notion of the different angles of motherhood, particularly from somebody who has just had a baby dealing with the relationship she has with a mother who wasn't there for most of her life. And the way she's done that on the album is Little Star is this very positive thing about her child. And it's immediately followed by Mergirl. And it's something that she does very well of playing two angles off against each other, whether it be lyrically or musically. So we mentioned Frozen earlier and one of the great things about that is that the synthy bassline thing that I mentioned drops straight into the power of goodbye they share that kind of musical thread and I Mm. love it when artists do that because it really holds an album together in a way that just is more than just a collection of songs they've really thought about how they want these things to work together and how they want to lead the listener through Yes, it's such a lovely skill that sadly isn't really so dominant anymore because of the way that we listen to music has changed. Yeah, a good album is like a good show, constructing which act goes after which and how it's going to be best received by the audience or the listener. And there's a lot of thought that, I mean, I'm telling you, you know, there's a lot of thought that goes into this stuff. I'm telling the yeah. listeners. Um, and, and it's something that I think there are still artists that do this now, but I we've talked about this again in in past episodes i feel like it's very much a split between the mainstream high listenership high audience artists where they're just looking for another hit Mm -hmm. and that's a generalization because you do have people like beyonce who are you know when she wrote lemonade that's very clearly a complete piece of work she wasn't looking for a hit or two but then there are other artists who 
don't have that level of commercial success there's no drive from a record label to be looking for singles because it's not like the 80s and 90s where singles meant cash for the record companies and so they are able to create the what they have as a vision so we talk we talk on the hidden tracks about new artists new music that we think people should go and listen to bc Camplight was mine from a few weeks ago i love his latest album field music's most recent release is an absolute masterpiece but it it works as a whole and it was actually quite hard to find one or two tracks off it because it, it doesn't have the singles it's it's a piece of work as a whole and so i think it's become these things where you have to really search for those albums and artists these days because it's just music's different now to when we were growing up yeah 100 percent. so you touched on some of the potential cultural appropriation specific tracks that you would highlight there oh yes definitely i mean we've got to mention ashanti ashtangi (laughs) as being problematic Mm, that's probably the worst one like say now i look back on it i tend to think of this whole album as falling into that genre but it it isn't totally true she had the mainstream hits are much more club based i think at the time you know we were all like oh it's great we're embracing different cultures and not realizing the the hierarchical issue in this i certainly don't remember at the time madonna crediting any artists into the fields of music that she was delving into to make her pop records to kind of elevate them Uh, Madonna has previously I think maybe been better particularly when it's come to kind of voguing culture for example of featuring artists who normally wouldn't get any recognition and helping them their work be viewed on a greater platform uh, that I don't think was so much the case with this album and we've we've touched on this with Paul Simon I think there are plenty of artists that you can point to over the years who have brought in music from other cultures into their music and I think as much as anything there's always this balance between wanting to bring those things in for people to discover them and enjoy them versus stealing snippets and giving no one credit and I think that's always that's always a hard balance and ultimately because there wasn't really any discussion around it at the time it's hard to know whether whether she was paying royalties to those artists whether she was working specifically with people going out to India and working with them in their own arenas and it's difficult to really know how much you know how much was done on that front so so if you're a listener who knows more than more than us about this please let us know because I'd be really fascinated to find that out yeah 100% 100% and there's an interesting discussion on this kind of let's say bringing into mainstream of other cultures that we that aren't our own or not western white culture western white European culture which I think is interesting to dip a toe into and what I the one I read which I will go into is written about fashion and for me this album actually is quite intrinsically linked to fashion and that's probably just to my personal taste at the time it was very much like listening to this what was going on the catwalk and it led to my own study of Indian feminine fashion and textiles and that's what I was studying at the time and it's what I delved further into and decided to look at going to India to to be in the country and again learning more about this we do tend to sometimes in discussions about cultural appropriation forget that it's problematic because it can be done badly but like you bring up appreciation 
we must be careful to not stray into the other side of this, whereby the only art we're seeing in our culture is white European, because there's a fear of crossing cultures and bringing stuff together. Of course, it has to be done properly and ethically probably is the right word. I was very interested to read a piece by an Indian fashion journalist discussing the fact that in her personal opinion, of course, she enjoyed seeing Indian fashion being worn by non-Indian people, so outside of Indian culture, because otherwise there's very much this narrative of Western culture is the dominant fashion and then everything else is othered. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that was an interesting point. We must be careful when we look at appropriate ways to appreciate other cultures that we're not othering them. I hope that yep. makes sense. It does. And I think I think that's always the problem with this and always the interesting part of the discussion is you don't want to completely exclude other cultures, as you say. You don't want to just grab bits of those cultures that you want for your own personal fashion, your own personal gain. It's it's a balance of the two. And that balancing act is the hard thing. And I think that's where woke culture has positives and negatives to it in terms of it's great to heighten people's awareness. It's great to highlight the issues that can happen when someone just wanders into a culture and steals it. And then you get these budget fashion shops creating things that are meaningless to them but are just making them money but very meaningful to someone else versus never seeing those cultures never having those things being part of the western cultural human experience and you'll never please everyone right you'll never please everyone no one's ever 100 no. happy with the right approach but i think it's trying to be mindful about how you do it is the key thing yeah 100 percent. always an interesting discussion i know we could talk about this for hours you've talked about the influences that this album had on you from a more from a kind of fashion and travel perspective was was there a musical influence did this lead you down into either Indian music or club culture music in a way that you wouldn't necessarily have done without the album it definitely made me more interested in club culture and it was one of my impetuses to travel. So although it didn't increase my interest in Indian music, it made me want to have the non-Western pop version of the kind of spiritual practices and mindsets and philosophies that she was discussing. So that can be luckily a positive (laughs) if it makes you want to actually learn at source, discover authenticity. And I think that's that's often the important thing. You know, you get a lot of people who go off traveling and they they do the kind of very surface level. I did this, tick the box, blah, 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 versus going and really enjoying and understanding a culture more closely is that's always important, I think. I grew up with the group of people and in the time period of when you finish school, you go on your gap year. And I don't know if you went on the gap year, Rich. Uh, (laughs) This is what all of my friends did, because this was the type of thing that those people did at the time. And I, in my very small way, and I certainly won't pretend that I was doing some kind of genius, far more ethical version. But I was like, no, this is pointless. I don't know why... I've always had an issue with sort of what people call poverty tourism Mm -hmm. and also with the narrative that because you are European and have gone to a fancy school, you suddenly have the skills to teach 
children in parts of Africa or other places, you know, ed- education. This is all a nonsense. This is all part of white messiah complex. And in my ridiculous way, I was like, no, I'm going to go and travel the country and go and see women doing Mendy and discover how they do the techniques that they use and talk to them and shop. I'm going to buy things. I'm going to buy things. <laughs> and I just bought so many things. I'm not saying that's a virtue in and of its own right. But again, it's a, it's kind of all tied up in that period of the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and this album makes me sort of think about all of those times and how much we've all changed. <laughs> yeah. I took it I took a gap year rather than a gap year because I had to I basically just worked for a year did a year in industry Henry's not here to defend himself about his gap year but he did spend six months working in a prawn factory to pay for his travel so it's, it's not quite your classic classic posh school daddy paid for all of my travel type gap year <laughs> we have gap gap years gap years I'll go for a gap yeah because it was probably halfway between the two. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. So another key question for me, have you ever seen Madonna perform live? Why, yes, I have. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) But not on this tour, which is a shame because I think some of the visuals for the Ray of Light album when it comes to the pop video she was doing were absolutely spectacular. But I saw her years later at Earl's Court, I think with her music album when everything was cowboy themed that's the year i saw her i i remember that did she play anything from from this album because i know that a lot of those kind of big pop icons they tend to tour an album and there's a show that's that album rather than necessarily doing other stuff yeah i don't recall her playing anything off this i will say though she did sing live for the entire time and i think that's quite impressive given that Surely it's not controversial to say that singing isn't one of Madonna's main skills. So I would forgive her for doing a show that was far more about the aesthetic and the dancers and the costuming than her singing. Uh, but no, she absolutely sang for the whole thing, got a guitar out, did some acoustic sections. Yeah, I do think there's an element of shitting on pop stars singing <laughs> abilities. And I'm not saying that you are shitting on Madonna's here, but but generally from the media and from commentators, I haven't surprisingly haven't been to that many pop arena tours but i did once see one of my one of my very favorite artists is a guy called john grant and i saw him twice in a week once because i won some tickets and then a friend got tickets to see him at the royal albert hall and he played a track called glacier which is one of my absolute favorites from him and if if anyone listening hasn't listened to john grant particularly listen to the lyrics I guess you have to know his background to really understand a lot of where he's coming from with the lyrics. So it's worth doing a little bit of digging on that. He got halfway through and he got to the chorus. And just before he kicks in on the chorus, he leans into the mic and goes, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Miss Kylie Minogue. And I was like, holy crap, it's Kylie. And she came out and her voice, and it's a very delicate song, the power in her voice and the quality of her singing was unbelievable. And I'd, I'd never seen her live. I knew that she was reasonably talented from a singing perspective. But I, I think with some of those pop stars, everyone assumes that they're produced to such a high level that they can sort of get away with being auto-tuned and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But the really, really top ones tend to have great voices as well as everything else that they've got going for them. Yeah, 
That's absolutely true. And, you know, there are some pop stars with phenomenal vocals. Christina Aguilera, you know, obviously Beyonce, but I feel like we know Beyonce can sing. So she's definitely yeah. got that that accolade of well and truly owned. She's got obviously a fantastic voice. Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm always sort of of the opinion when people say, oh, she can't even sing. I'm like, well, they're a pop star, which doesn't necessarily mean that they can't sing, but it, the primary part of their job is to understand popular culture. Like the clue is in the title yeah. and that is a, another skill and just the presentation of the show as much as anything for someone like that being able to produce such an incredible stage show around a concept is something that you go back to the big stars in the 70s and 80s and there weren't that many doing that they'd just be guitar bands getting up on stage and playing but you had the old one like pink floyd who would do these huge ridiculous drug-fueled shows until this wave of pop stars that was suddenly doing huge arena tours with massive visuals and all sorts of stuff going on and it must be incredibly hard work to do a tour like that where you are singing and performing and dancing every single night for months and months and months on end yeah in outrageous heels and insane outfits and hydraulics and crazy things yeah it's another skill for sure and regardless of whether you're doing huge vocals or not just singing in time whilst dancing and moving and remembering things is no easy skill to accomplish (laughs) nice well thank you for joining us to talk about madonna it's been again a lot of fun to to chat through some of the interesting sides to that album a pleasure thank you for having me so where can everyone find you you can find me at houseofburlesque.co.uk is our official website for all classes and shows and goings on but you can keep up to date with me and house of burlesque at hob tempest rose across all social media but in particular our instagram and we do lots of fun things on there as well and given the current lockdown situation there's been lots of fun stuff that i've been personally jumping on and watching and enjoying story times and all those kind of things gin Gin salt was a was a classic very much enjoyed those those live sessions they've been absolutely great to do and enjoying the new podcast that led to with myself and lolo brow absolutely those of you who want to get in touch with myself and Henry, you can find us at I Might Be Wrong UK across Facebook, on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Drop us a line, comment on our posts, tell us what you think, tell us when we are wrong. Thank you for listening to us. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.